make sure with your own boundaries, let people know when it's a good time to call you and understand for the people you communicate with regularly and that you want to have a great relationship with and a strong line of communication. Understand when it's a good time to call them. Remove yourself from the groups that don't give you any value, that don't make you feel good or that just stress you out. Notification overload or just crap overload if I'm going to be dead straight. With your time management, just try a 20-minute focus period. Phone on airplane mode, put your timer on your phone and go. It is the quickest 20 minutes ever, but what you start to realize is how much you can get done in 20 minutes. Who wants to be an entrepreneur? This isn't a quiz show. This is reality. A real-life discovery of what it really takes to be an entrepreneur. Welcome to a new season of podcast episodes of personal and business coaching topics and techniques around the three pillars of HEW, health, excellence, and wealth. HEW is introducing guests to the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur show based on their own personal experiences, a full real-life account of trials and tribulations of what it takes. Hello, welcome to the HEW Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur podcast. Uh, my name is Lauren Brady and I am your solo host for today's session. Today, it's a bit of a quick, simple, sharp shooting one. Um, I wanted to follow on from the episode that Helen did a couple of weeks ago all about communicating. Um, my take on it is going to be from a, a, a quite a different angle. Helen was speaking very much on how as a business or an entrepreneur, as an individual, communication, especially in the current climate, we're not going to keep mentioning the C-bomb on this podcast, by the way, but how important it is to keep your message alive and keep communicating, which kind of triggered a couple of conversations between myself and Helen that has led us to this podcast. So uh, I'm a lister. I'm someone who likes a bullet point. So I can tell you now I've got eight tips, which are all around things that I've learned, things that I've experienced myself and things that I've implemented with clients uh, past and present, um, all about communication, but not in this traditional sense of how to communicate a message and putting a story together, but little things that I've learned along the way that have helped me and there's often things that have got in my way and I've had to get around. So I've broken it down into four sections and I'm going to go straight in with section number one. So the first thing for me, that I find is you've got to know yourself. Now, not in the fluffy, get to know your feelings kind of kind of way, but know when you're communicating, whether it be with a partner, whether it be with a client, whether it be someone who's employed on your team or a prospect, whatever it may be. If you don't know yourself, you know, your weak, your strengths, your weaknesses, what works for you, what doesn't, it can very easily turn into a bit of a crazy spaghetti junction communication channel so my first tip is write down notes before difficult conversations now very simple rocket science but the amount of times that this has saved me from getting lost in a bundle of thoughts tripping over my words and actually knowing this is what I want to get out of the conversation these are the points that are really important to me that I need to get across and also writing down room within that, you know, intention and with that agenda that, you know, to let somebody else speak, which I'm going to cover in a little bit more detail further on. But having notes has really helped me going into difficult conversations, whether that be, um, you know, an appraisal with someone who I manage, uh, whether it be when I've been, you know, looking to uh, get a raise in an employed situation or, you know, to uh, negotiate on a point that I need something you know, to change or to improve on. 
So writing down notes before you're having a difficult conversation. It's so simple, but it helps you to get your thoughts in order and it helps you to know what you're going into that conversation looking to achieve. Okay, my second one on knowing yourself is something that's very personal to me and it's a bit random, but I absolutely hate voicemails. I hate leaving them. I hate checking them. I hate going through lists and sort of backlogs of, you know, 10, 12 voicemails that are sat in my my box. And the thing is, because I hate it, I very rarely listen to them. So when I do, it always makes me chuckle because there's at least two or three in there, which are from my mom, which, you know, the voicemail is, hi, Lauren, it's mom, call me back. And so it's funny because I love the fact that I can depend on my mom for leaving those voicemails. But at the same time, that's the kind of thing that, you know, winds me up about voicemails is that they're often just a waste of time. And, you know, I'm like, I seen the missed call that will give me the intention I need for you to ring me back. Or the other side of it is someone's having a full blown conversation with themselves to my voicemail. And so I find myself going, I'm listening to a minute of this conversation where I can't talk back. So I'm just hearing your one sided rant as it may be. So I got given this tip years ago. Um, And interestingly enough, I had it on my voicemail for a long time. Um, I used to travel weekly in and out of Holland and Belgium. So um, I think what might have started this is there was something in the settings, like I'm talking eight, nine, ten years ago, that it was really difficult for me to access my voicemail when I was abroad or it was more expensive or something like that. As I said, I've never liked checking it. So any sort of confirmation or excuse to uh, allow me to not check it, you know, I was jumping on it. And someone said to me, change your voicemail message to say, I don't listen to this inbox, so please don't leave me a voicemail. And I had it on there for years. And it's only recently, actually since lockdown, I'm finding people are leaving me more voicemails where I live. And I'm very lucky. I live in the middle of nowhere. It's very rural and I love it. It's very beautiful. But we have zero phone signal. So everything for me has to be done on video calls, WhatsApp calls, Wi-Fi calls. So when people ring my mobile, they get my voicemail instantly. So I seem to have been getting this massive backlog again of people leaving me irrelevant, crappy voicemails that wind me up. So know yourself. If you have something when you're communicating with people or people are trying to communicate with you and you know it just bugs you, find a way around it. Simple thing of tell people on your voicemail message, hi, you've got through to Lauren. I don't check this voicemail box only maybe once every two months. If you want to get hold of me, please send a text or please feel free to WhatsApp me. Thanks very much. So people know how they can get hold of you. Okay. The next section is know your team or know your business partner or know your customer. So This is something that I used to come up against very regularly. And I mean, on a weekly basis, Um, I spent 10, 12 years working in an industry that was full of very hungry, ambitious, uh, busy entrepreneurs. So it often meant that there was lots of people that had um, a lot to say. And that's a good thing. I mean, that very much is a positive. But what, what, what I encountered within that industry is that when we sat down with a meeting, if I was working with, in this sort of realm, a client, someone who I was going into their business, I was helping them look at, you know, what blockages they were having, what systems were in place, how we could improve it. Um, you know, we'd have lots of people sat around that initial table. There could be myself, there could be the business owner, there could be their uh, PA administrator, there could be their head of recruitment, there could be their finance manager, there could be maybe one of their investors. So there's a lot of people there. And everybody who comes to that table, everyone who comes to that meeting has their own intention. They have their own agenda. When people have relationships, i.e., you know, you've been working together for maybe months or years, you come into those kind of meetings. And of course, there's that normal chit chat. You know, it's normal rapport building, normal catching up, which is great. 
But what can often happen then is, you know, you know you have an hour for this client or you have an hour for this meeting. And 20 minutes of it is chit-chat. And before you know it, the person with the loudest voice, the person with the strongest power of intention in that meeting starts to lead the agenda and starts to lead the conversation. Before you know it, you know, you're three quarters of the way in or maybe 50 minutes into an hour-long meeting and you haven't even started to scrape the edges of what you wanted to get from it. So knowing who you're communicating with and knowing your team is really important. We we knew that about each other and gave each other permission to pull each other back and to make sure that we did this one thing was when you start every meeting, start the meeting with how long you've got. So if you're doing a lot of Zoom calls at the moment, if you're doing a lot of you know, group conference calls, which you would normally, again, if you were sat around the table, you can read people's body language. You can see when their energy slumps. You can see their body language change. And you can be like, listen, we've got to go. We've got to be somewhere else. But now we're all living online. Sometimes the, the boundaries and, the, and the, the ability to read people's situations, you know, it gets, it gets tougher. So when you start every meeting, set the intention of how long you've got. I have 30 minutes for this meeting, Bob. Okay, my intention for this meeting is to cover off these two points. What's your intention or what's your agenda for the meeting? Now, even as I'm saying it out loud, it can sound a little bit like, oh God, that sounds like something out of a business book manual that you know was written um, you know, in an ideal situation. But once you get in the habit of doing this, every single person that you communicate with will expect you to say, hey, how long have you got, Warren? And what is it you need to get from me? And what is it that I need to get from you? And you get into a really good habit. There was a colleague who I had um, who was based in Dublin. It's a guy called Darren, actually. He was a great guy to work with. But he was adamant that we started every single meeting with how long has everybody got? Okay, so, you know, one person might have, I have genuinely 30 minutes. I have to go off this call in 30 minutes. Someone else has 45 minutes. Great. Can you can, you know, person one and person two take, you know, that certain part of the agenda offline and talk about that in the final 15 minutes when the first person has jumped off? Yes. Fantastic. But making sure that you set the time limit, what you want to get from that meeting, what the other people or other person wants to get from that meeting. And then the key is at the very end is to rehash that and go, OK, we've got to the end of our 30 minutes. Have you got what you needed, Lauren? Yep. Darren, have you got what you needed? No, we didn't cover off two points. Brilliant. Can you guys put 20 minutes in the diary and finish that off independently? Or do you need us all back on this call again? But making sure that you know your team and know who you who you are dealing with. Again, if you've got people in the team who maybe clash, or if you've got people in the team who are really good friends and you know they're going to start chit-chatting. Um, my uh, previous boss was a friend of mine. Over the years, you know, we worked together for 10, 15 years. So I was aware that if we started to have too much of a chit chat, we could divert 10 minutes of a 60 minute meeting catching up on, you know, normal life stuff. So know your team, know your partner, know your customer, know who you're dealing with and really take control of who's in the meeting for what and how long that meeting's going to last for. OK, second point on this part is make sure that you ask questions. And I mean lots of questions. It's something that I get told I do a lot. And at times in at different points of my career, I wasn't sure if that was meant as a compliment or an insult. But I know through lots of personality testing and just through, I'd say, the awareness of getting to know myself, I do ask a lot of questions. That can sometimes come across as if I'm being extra inquisitive, even to the point of being nosy. But for me, I, I'm a researcher by nature. I want to find out information. I want to know more. And it allows me to build a bigger picture. But again, if you know that about yourself, just be aware that that might come across like you're interrogating people at times. But often when you are communicating, 
you are just doing talking. Like it's interesting, obviously we're doing a podcast now and I'm just talking directly without any break and any interaction from anyone else. But the key thing is to when you ask questions is to make sure that you actually listen to the answers. And there's there's a term that's used now that if you, it's, a, it's a different conversation, but please pop it into Google if you want some tips on this, which is how to actively listen. So not just listening so that when you, what a lot of people do, is they think they're listening, but what they're actually doing is they're waiting for the other person to stop talking so they can start talking again. So as you say, um, you know, uh, Kate, can I ask you, you know, what's happening on that product? Where are we up to on the sales for this quarter? As Kate's giving her answer, you're listening, but you're actually formulating your response at the same time. No, 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 I don't agree with that, Kate. Well, that's because someone else didn't do this and that means we need to do more of this. So rather than actively listening to what the person's saying, who you asked a question, you're formulating your response at the same time and you're just waiting for them to stop talking so you can start talking again. Actively listening is being able to repeat back what the person is saying as they're communicating it back to you and then checking. So, Kate, what I heard from that is uh, the sales are down in the first two weeks. The next four weeks, they've skyrocketed. That's been impacted by the X, Y and Z marketing campaign. Is that right from what I've understood? And actually listening to the words that are coming out of their mouth but also, again, taking into consideration their body language, their tone of voice, their speed, all of those things that go with that um, conversation. So know your team, ask more questions, but actively listen to what they're saying. If you want to know more about active listening, I'd recommend popping that into Google and uh, having a wee read on it. OK, the third section for me, communication, and it's often the thing that will frustrate me the most is actually knowing your boundaries and knowing the boundaries of the people that you're communicating with. So first things first is I personally like to book calls in. I would very, very rarely pick up a phone and ring someone without that call being arranged in advance. Now, it's something that causes a little bit of humor. And uh, to be honest, I get ribbed for it a lot by my parents. You know, they're from a different generation and they're not often aware of my intention behind this. But if my phone goes and I'm in the middle of something, I know from a focus point of view, if my phone goes and I pick it up, the conversation might only last three minutes, but the chances are that probably takes 10 to 15, maybe 20 minutes out of that chunk of my day. And so I, I do put my diary into blocks. You know, if I have 60 minutes to work on a certain task or on a certain case file or with a certain client, I need to focus for that hour and get solid focused work done. So if someone rings me and that call isn't planned and I pick that up, again, I might spend three minutes on the phone. I might spend five minutes on the phone, but there's a good chance 15, 20 minutes of that block is gone. If I only had 60 minutes for that task that I was working on, I've now lost 30% of that time by picking up a call that I wasn't expecting. Now, obviously, real life does get in the way. I, you know, I'm totally aware of that. And it's not like I'm a, a complete control freak about when people can and can't ring me. But another example is I go to bed. In, in most people's opinions, quite early. I'm in bed between nine and half nine most nights. There is genuinely family members of mine who will ring me at 10, half 10 at night. And I'm like, please stop ringing me so late at night. I'm in bed. I get up at five, half five most mornings. And um, so for that for me is boundaries. It's about understanding, you know, when people want you to call. But also it's something that I do um, out of habit now for many years. Again, because I've worked with self-employed people for so long, I've always known there's certain chunks of the day. It's a good time to ring and there's a good time not to ring. So, for example, when I was working in the sales industry, the morning time, we would always call prime time because that's when the sales team was with the sales director. So they'd be doing setup meetings. They'd be doing sales training, coaching. They'd be solving problems. They'd be making sure the products were all ready to be sold, et cetera, et cetera. So we never, ever 
rang an entrepreneur and uh, after 9.30 in the morning or before 1 p.m. because that was their time with their sales team and that's what that's what generated their income. I can imagine if you're working someone in sports, you know, you don't ring them before a game, you don't ring them, you know, when they're on the way to, you know, focus training, that kind of thing. So knowing when you can speak to people and get the best from them is really important. So the first thing is make sure with your own boundaries, let people know when it's a good time to call you and understand for the people you communicate with regularly and that you want to have a great relationship with and a strong line of communication, understand when it's a good time to call them. The other thing is if you have got if you haven't got a, a call booked as such, it's not in your diary or their diary, the first words that come out of my mouth whenever anyone picks up the phone to me is I go, is it a good time? Have you got 10 minutes, 15 minutes, three minutes? Again, it goes back to that point of knowing how long you've got, knowing how long they've got, and that will then dictate the way that you communicate. So I do a lot of business with my dad. And so when I ring dad, you know, I know that, you know, he's an early riser as well. So I can ring my dad at 7 a.m. And the first thing I'll say is, you know, is it a good time to chat? Basically, are you out walking the dogs? Are you sat, you know, half eating your breakfast, half reading the newspaper? Uh, or are you in front of your laptop and do you have emails in front of you? And, you know, can we talk about X, Y and Z? So it's a really simple, really basic question. Ask someone, is this a good time? Because the amount of people who I say to me, yeah, do you know what? X or person or Y, Z rings me. They don't do that checking and before I know it I'm five six minutes into a conversation with them and it's usually not a conversation it's a one way they're speaking down the phone to me you could have your children in the bath you know you could have a meal in front of you um, or again you could be working on something that you need to focus on and that you need to stay there so having those boundaries it, it you know if you've never had them before people might think it comes across a little bit funny at first but when you explain it people go yeah that makes perfect sense let me just check in if it's a good time okay the second one on boundaries this one's a bit, you know, it depends on the person. The big thing that I find steals a lot of time for people is WhatsApp and it's WhatsApp groups. Again, previously I would be needed in multiple WhatsApp groups, whether it be with different teams or different clients that I was working with. It was never my favorite part of that, but now I have it as well with family members, with friends, and sometimes with groups of things that I didn't even realize I needed to be part of. I don't have a family at this point, but I know I've got um, my sisters who they're in WhatsApp groups with their kids' school. You know, one of my sisters has got three kids, and she's like, all three kids are in a different class, so there's a WhatsApp group for every class. Then they've all got football teams or rugby teams or um, gymnastic clubs. And so there's a WhatsApp group for that. So my sister's like, I've got like 25 WhatsApp groups just for my children's activities. She said, then put in there my friendship WhatsApp groups, my family WhatsApp groups, you know, anything else that goes there. She's like, my phone is insane with WhatsApp groups. And I have experienced this before when, you know, I'm from a really big, lovely Irish family, but there's a lot of us. And again, being added to multiple different WhatsApp groups of cousins and aunties and relatives. My big tip with your boundaries is remove yourself from the groups that don't give you any value, that don't make you feel good, or that just stress you out. Notification overload or just crap overload if I'm going to be dead straight. You know, again, I'll give you the example of, you know, one of the ones that in my world, I've got lots of cousins, you know, like more than is normal <laughs> for anyone to have. But I've got cousins who were in different points in their lives with me. You know, you know, they might not be working full time because they're on maternity leave. They might have diff just totally different agendas to me. But, you know, I come out of a meeting and I see I've got 75 messages on one WhatsApp group where they're discussing the Game of Thrones, you know, box set. Or they're discussing, you know, a game that's going around on Facebook or something like that. But I come out of a meeting and I've got, you know, 70, 100 messages on a WhatsApp group that I'd love 
to be able to give that my time and attention. But what I have to recognize is I only have a certain amount of time and I only have a certain amount of attention and I cannot give it to everyone. And that's where you've got to make the call for yourself and you've got to set that boundary. So giving you full on permission. Some people just mute them. Some people archive them. I'm a leaver. I'm a Lauren's left the group and she's out. Now, I know that's left people pissed off at me before or in the wake of it. But the reality is I really value my time. I really value my focus and my attention. And I'm, I'm happy and comfortable setting the boundary that if we want to communicate, as I say, <laughs> don't leave me a voicemail. Just let's set, set up a call. I'm happy to give you 10, 15 minutes of genuine quality one-on-one time to communicate with you. But me being overwhelmed and bombarded with WhatsApp messages and communication that's not going to help, I'm cool. I'm out. Okay. Last section, two tiny little points. Time management and your communication. So I think when I can look back at myself and when I've communicated badly, you know, when I've rushed, when I've snapped, when I've not presented myself in the way that I would, you know, ideally like to do so, it's usually because I'm short at time, which kind of links back to what I was just saying there about, you know, why I'm so protective of my time and my focus because I don't want to give it away when I really want to invest it with the right people, the right parts of my life, business, etc. I remember hearing this saying a couple of years ago, I must have been listening to a book and I can't remember which book it was, but it was someone saying time management is is a word or a saying that gets banded about a lot. And if it was just as easy as using your calendar or planning your day, then none of us would have time management issues or communication blocks. And this person described it as don't say time management it's actually emotion management because what messes with our time and what messes with our communication is the emotions they get in the middle of it and they get in the way. So that was a really good reframe for me. He said, it's not about time management, it's emotion management. So again, think about your mornings. I know I need to get out of bed at X time to make sure then I have a coffee, to make sure I'm ready to work out, to make sure then I've got time to shower, change, uh, you know, read 10 pages of a book, write stuff down in my journal and uh, you know, then get on with my first task for the day and my first intention. So I know that's how my time should be managed, but it's my emotions that get in the muddle of that. I'm tired. I don't feel so energetic. All of those different emotions that get in the way. So change time management to emotion management. That was the, that's my first tip within that section. But the two things that I would say here is number one is make sure that you set time chunks to focus in. And that allows everybody around you to know what you're doing. It allows you to communicate what you're working on when you're available and everything in between. So the biggest distraction I see with people, and myself included, I am totally in, in this box as well, is our mobile phones. Okay, It's making sure that we use our technology as an asset and not as a distraction. The tip that I got given maybe a year, year and a half ago was to set a timer for just 20 minutes. And my response at the time was, well, 20 minutes, and what am I going to get done in 20 minutes? And then they were like, listen, if I tell you to set a timer for an hour, you're never going to give me that hour. You're never going to put your phone on airplane mode for an hour. And at the time, I was like, no, yeah, that's true. That, that, that's exactly right. I'm not, I'm not going to turn my phone off for an hour. You know, the things whirling around my head. What if so-and-so needs to contact me? What if this happens? All the wives. So with your time management, just try a 20-minute focus period. Phone on airplane mode, put your timer on your phone and go. It is the quickest 20 minutes ever. But what you start to realize is how much you can get done in 20 minutes when you're not looking at your screen, when you're not picking up your messages, when you're not scrolling through social media, when your brain's not whirling around anywhere else. And again, it's a whole other podcast episode. It's probably one we could we could do about how much 
time and attention is taken away when you start jumping from one task to another. Just one task for 20 minutes and see how much you can get done. Okay, and the last thing with this is with your own time, emotion management, and again, this is very much around the self-awareness is make sure that you do review your calendar and review your screen time. So if you've gone through the, you know, the tips from the start down and you know you have started to block out time to focus with your attention you've let people know when they can and can't contact you you know you've got calls booked in and you are using your calendar to manage your agenda a course of a day or a week actually take the time then to go back and review it because you might think that you are communicating and you might think that you're giving lots of time to a specific person or member of your team or project that you're working in when we go back with clients and look at their calendar and the evidence of where they've actually spent their time, pretty much every person I've ever done this with is gobsmacked. They're like, I honestly thought I'd given that more time. And when you can look at something and go, why haven't I got a result with that? Why doesn't that person understand what I'm asking them for? Why haven't they got that message clear? And then they go, let me have a look at your calendar. How long have you spent going through that task? Or how long have you spent on that project? And they realize that they're like, you know, I don't think I've even given that more than two or three hours over the last 10 days. And I'm like, if you if you look at that objectively, is that enough time to really get a result or to really solve that problem? And usually the answer is no, that's nowhere near enough time. I know that's going to take 10, 20, maybe 30 hours. So when you go back and review your calendar, review your screen time, this one is massive if you don't review your screen time already. And sometimes we don't review it because we're scared to look. That's when you know you really need to review it. And, and just ask yourself, am I actually communicating with the people I need to? Am I communicating effectively? Am I spending time on the right things? Or am I kind of being you know, moved around by the waves in the ocean and I'm not really surfing the waves, I'm just getting clattered about and hitting the sand and water up my nose and all those other things that go with that analogy. So time management is actually emotion management. Use 20 minute block times for your focus and turn your phone on airplane mode. And the second thing is there is review your calendar and your screen time. It will really tell you, are you communicating or are you getting moved around task to task without really getting much done? So that's uh, that's it from me for today. I hope that gives you uh, a little bit of an insight into what's been working or what I've learned along the way. Uh, you know, some of those things genuinely I've learned because I've got them so wrong and so bad. Uh, and like anything, it's not about learning it once or doing it once and then going, oh, that worked and putting it on a shelf. It is continual. It takes practice. It takes a lot of patience and you really do have to persevere. So thanks very much for tuning in to us today, wherever you are in the world or whatever time of the day it is. Uh, I hope you're safe and well. As always, we'd love to get your feedback. Please do feel free to contact us through any of our social channels. We're everywhere you would expect. LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, that's where we hang out the most. And if you have enjoyed today's podcast, please do leave us a review. It really helps us on whatever platform that you're listening, iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, etc. And we hope to see you back here or get you back here listening to us on next week's episode. Thank you for listening to the HEW podcast. For continued support, please subscribe using iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or SoundCloud. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review on your download platform. Tune in for more value and more content the same time next week.